Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. John Newton wrote this hymn with his own wretched sins in mind. He had been a sinner every bit as rebellious as the prodigal son, and so he borrowed the line, I once was lost, but now am found, from Luke chapter 15. Newton clearly identified with the prodigal son, the younger brother of this story, the one who got lost in his wild living. But amazing grace is not just for younger brother kinds of sinners, the rebellious. We've noticed over the past few days that there are two sons in Luke chapter 15, two kinds of sinner. And while we're used to thinking about the flagrant rebellion of the younger brother, Jesus gives every bit as much attention to the self-righteousness of the older brother. The older brother, too, needs amazing grace. Yesterday, we focused on the older son and his very public protest. The older son was incensed that his father would welcome home the prodigal, and he absolutely loses it. He throws such an epic tantrum that he shames his father in front of the whole village. Certainly, we can understand some of the older brother's feelings, but my goodness, there's a time and a place for things, right? And the older son has picked the worst time and place imaginable. The village would have expected the older son to receive a slap at this point. Perhaps they were waiting for the father to frog-march his petulant son into the party and demand that he embrace his younger brother. Well, that's not the style of the father. Instead, in verse 31, he continues to beg his boy. And he boils down his whole, this whole issue to two words. Chapter 15, verse 31, my son, the father said. You might even translate it, my child. If the, if the older brother could grasp these two words, my son, my child, it would change his life forever. Essentially, the father was saying, dear boy, stop slaving. You are my son. Sons don't slave and slaves aren't sons. Dear child, don't tell me you're slaving. You are my son, my son. The father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Notice the father's heart here. He has to celebrate. The sinner comes home and he can't help celebrating. Now think of the older brother's heart. The sinner comes home and he can't help seething. The difference between the father and the elder son is so striking. Most people only notice the difference between the two brothers. You know, obviously the two brothers are different. Obviously the older brother is different to the younger brother. But the older brother is nothing like his dad either, is he? He is far from the father's heart. He is lost. He is lost and he needs finding. And it's his goodness, his obedience, his hard work, his moral record that keeps him out of the feast. It's so important to realize why the older brother is estranged from the feast, why he stands there in outer darkness. He is shut out through his own willfulness. He is not out of the feast because of his badness. He's out of the feast because of his goodness. And he's not out of the feast because the father is too cruel. He remains outside the feast because his father is too kind. He hates the father's grace and he will not draw up a chair alongside sinners. So he despises the one who welcomes sinners and eats with them. And this is where the parable ends. 
The bad boy is in the feast. The good boy is outside with weeping and wailing and the angry gnashing of teeth. And everyone wants to know what happens next. Does the older son come in and join the joy? What do you think? Well, the parable ends here. But the story in Luke continues. Remember what the parable is portraying. The younger son represents the sinners and tax collectors. The older son represents the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And the father represents Jesus, who welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's very clear from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And we know what happens with these groups of people, don't we? In particular, we know how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law treated Jesus in the end, don't we? It's not a happy ending, is it? Allow me to write the parable's ending according to how the events of Luke unfold. If there were such a verse as Luke 15 verse 33, it would read something like this. The father begs his older son with open arms. The older son in blind fury picks up his shovel and bashes his old man to death. That's what happened in the gospel. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law hated the grace of Jesus so much they conspired to kill him. That is where older brother living takes you. It forces you to hate gracious Jesus. I mean, think about it. Christ was not killed by a mob. He was killed by moralists like this older brother. And yet it's the death of Jesus that would welcome any of them home. If any will come, Jesus will receive them. Think of the cross. Think of how Jesus willingly accepted such a death. On that cross, he didn't just give over his best robe. He was stripped naked. He didn't just associate with sinners. He became sin for us. He didn't just sacrifice the fatted calf. He sacrificed himself. He didn't just come out of his house to plead with sinners. He was shut out of heaven and the darkness fell. And he did it all for me, wretch that I am. Today, you may feel more like the younger brother running from God in rebellion. Or perhaps you feel more like the older brother, far from God in self-righteousness. Either way, look again to the one who welcomes sinners and eats with them. Be won by his reconciling love. He was stripped so that you can be robed. He was made sin so that you are made righteous. He was torn apart like bread so that you can have the feast. On that cross, he was lost so that you'd be found. That is amazing grace.